This episode is brought to you by The One Summit, two days that would change your life forever. For tickets, go to theonesummit.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, <laughs> inspiring you to awaken the change within. Oh no, it started. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. <laughs> <laughs> too long to start with the introduction and I just got I just got the big royal wave <laughs> to move my ass from Sydney's <laughs> well, that was very funny okay uh, collect myself collect myself now what okay. are we doing today okay so well today um this is actually Kimmy's idea which is just brilliant was to talk about the different healing modalities that are out there and what our personal experiences with them have been so um you know, that kind of opens the doors to lots of different um, strategies, I guess, that are out there to support people in their well-being. Because I think one thing, when I think about this topic that comes to mind, is that we don't live in a society of healthcare. We live in a society of sick care. So we go to the doctors when we're sick. But I, since I've been going to the chiropractor, and this is just me personally, since I've been going to the chiropractor and I go weekly, um, since I've been doing that, I'm in a structure of health care mm-hmm. now because it maintains my health. Mm-hmm. And when I get the flu or if I get sick, man, I'm down for maybe a day, maybe three days, maybe a week. But it's never more than that. Yeah. So um, whereas before, when I used to get sick, I'd be sick for weeks or sometimes even months. So I think that these wonderful alternative healing modalities are really something worth exploring. I mean, I've tried – I personally have tried – the chiropractic, obviously, I've got I've kin, kinis, kinesiology. I've got an amazing kinesiologist in Perigian Springs, um, Elizabeth Hughes. I'll just give you a plug, sweet Perry. <laughs> um, yeah, kinesiology, uh, uh, Chinese medicine, love acupuncture, um, love aromatherapy oils, all over them like a fat kid on a smarty, and that's P-H-A-T. Um, what else is there? What else is there? Physiotherapy? Iridology. Stop it. Osteopathy. Reflexology. Reflexology. That's bloody painful. Botanical therapy. Homeopathy. There's so like there's so many around. Ayurvedic. And and then there's all the mind ones out there. There's meditations and neurolinguistic programming. programming. And then there's TFT. And then I know NET. (laughs) And then I know in OMG. L-O-L. R-O-F-L. True that. <laughs> Sorry, Cindy. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Sorry. I had a thought. Feldenkrais. Feldenkrais. Feldenkrais, yes. yeah, exactly. Alexander yeah. Technique. Yeah, and then um, Montessori. Montessori had their way, even though it's a, a, a Steiner. Steiner had their type of healthcare. Ah, so true. There, there are so many out there. Did we um, say acupuncture? We did. We, we did. did. Acupressure. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. yeah. There's acupressure. Cranial osteopathy. Yeah. Osteopathy. Yeah. Myopathy. Yeah. Massage. And then there's all the techniques. Naturopathy. <laughs> oh, we didn't say that. No. And then there's all the techniques. Shiatsu. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just looking at all the ones that I've used. And, and herbal medicine. Yeah. And, yeah, herbs or supplementation and nutritionists or oh dietitians or functional medical doctors or medical doctors or... Integrative medical integrative doctors. Integrative medical doctors. Oh, my gosh. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot. And then Hypnosis. each one of them... Oh. oh there we go. <laughs> Hypnosis. And then you know what? And then then in every single one of those... Pilates. There he is. Yoga. Yoga. In every single one of those, there is different techniques. Think mm. of how many yoga techniques there yeah. are, how many chiropractic techniques there are, mm. how many physiotherapist techniques there are. Because mm. I was talking to a physiotherapist the other day. We work mm. here. Mm. Uh, and, and she was talking about all these techniques she's doing that I had no idea that that's Reiki. what they did. Yeah, right. Oh, energy work. Yep. 
Hawaiian massage? What's that? That's Lomi Lomi. Oh. Lomi Lomi. What's Lomi Lomi? Lomi Lomi is Hawaiian massage. Oh. Kahuna. Tantra. Hot stone. Tantra. Tart. <laughs> quickly didn't it <laughs> you know what I'll, I'll keep the ball rolling here while those two I, laugh at each other I think, I think I'm tired <laughs> and you know what I get so funny when I'm tired I'm the hilarious one. Oh no here we go <laughs> What were you going to say? Laugh therapy. Mm-hmm. Laugh. Laugh. It is. It is. There is, that, it, there is a, there's actually a book about that, and it's called The Anatomy of an Illness by Norman Cousins, isn't Ooh. it? Norman Cousins. Um, and he laughed his way to health. Ah. He had some disease, I can't remember, and he watched all these comedies and laughed his way to health and wrote a book about it. And I think that's why I'm so damn healthy. Yeah. I, I dare say that's why we have a ball on these podcasts. <laughs> We're each other's weekly check-in health check. Yeah, I exactly. think so. I think so, because I will laugh. So, you know, I had a girlfriend say to me recently that she hasn't laughed. Oh. And she has no laughter in her life. And I said, oh, just come and stay with my friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I laugh nonstop. If I'm with Ricky, it is hilarious. <laughs> if I'm with you two, it's hilarious, especially with you, Karen. Oh, I know. Absolutely. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm she always... does tell me privately that actually I'm the funny <laughs> one. But she said, but I would never do it in public. Do that. Never do it in public. But you just did. <laughs> oh, I still no. Shut <laughs> up. Um, do you know what? There are so many modalities out there, and every single one of them have helped people. And I have my favourites. And I, so, and what are some of your favourites? Mm. All my favourites: chiropractic done? and nutrition. Mm. They are my two absolute favourites. Did we say massage? Oh, we did, did say massage. I said massage. And I said kahuna. Tart. And you said tantra. <laughs> Oh. Tart, and then I said tart. <laughs> so, so tell us. Yeah, so my, for people that are new to mm. maybe up for a chat and they haven't listened to the previous 90 hours, <laughs> go back to the beginning yeah. and start again and then catch up and then we'll go on from what? there. Set a healing. Is and what is that? that? <laughs> and that would be, I've never heard of it. She's gone. She's got a lift. <laughs> what is set a healing? She's lost. Okay. So I'm going to ask yeah. you while she regains yeah, herself. Yeah. So if you had to describe chiropractic, what is it? Well, most people think that chiropractic is uh, a, a place to go for headaches and, and sore backs. <laughs> She's getting her therapy right now. She has <laughs> lost it completely. And because, she, you know what, it's like catching. But you see, laughter is like catching. But our poor audiences <laughs> have no don't idea. don't see what's going on no, in the back. You can all imagine. We give faces, we pull fingers, we write notes, we do things. And when the other one loses it, you can just... It's brilliant because you actually look like the one's in control and that one's just completely lost the plot. And anyway... (laughs) I said... I said... There's a healing... She can't even talk. I said... There's a healing which is kind of like another level of NLP. Theta healing? Theta or theta? And then the, 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 the tart over here says, is that, what's that with the lift? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, that just got me at the wrong time. That just really just, oh, good right. Let's put it together. Oh, let's so, just bring it to so what I'd love to prayer. do on this podcast. We can talk about prayer. Prayer is a big one. On the wings of prayer? Mm-hmm. On the wings of prayer. What I'd love to do with yep. this for our okay. listeners is to, we're not experts in any, or, or we may be experts in a couple of them, but what I'd love to do is give an overview quickly of what each one is, especially the ones we've experienced, and why we would recommend someone to go to them. So I think that's a good idea. It's probably um, what we've experienced. So it's probably the best one. So I'll start. Mm. So I never knew a medical doctor. I was, you know, that was just something that my dad never took us to. We always did chiropractic. And even when I broke my collarbone, my dad put my collarbone back in. (gasps) And when I broke my foot, my dad helped me with my foot. So I never remember going to a medical doctor. I never remember going to my dad. He looked after us. And chiropractic was always known for sore backs and sore necks and headaches. But chiropractic has a, uh, a philosophy, and the philosophy is based on vitalism. And vitalism is a, that we have an innate intelligence. And as long as we give it the right resources, and those resources would be good food, sunlight, sleep, 
um, things like that, um, mind connections, and don't and and without interference. And that being, don't interfere with it in as far as using medications when you don't need to use them in, in not in a life threatening situation. Um, and the big one with chiropractic is non interference to the nervous system. So it's about the alignment of the spine because that's where most of our nervous system is. So it's about the alignment of the spine so that the nerves can run, which they do. They run to every part of the body so that the nerves can run freely. So one of the things that I always remember my dad saying to help people understand, if if you have a, a, um, a plant and there's a hose to the plant and a tap and let's say the hose gets kinked, between the tap and and the plant and there's not enough supply of water to get to that plant we know that plant will die or wither or not survive as well without that water so my dad said is that when you have a um a vertebral subluxation where the nerve supply is not getting to the organ whether it be an ovary a heart a liver a lung uh, skin, eyes, wherever it might not be going to, if it's not getting enough supply to nerve supply to that organ, that organ will wither and die. And it takes a long time for an organ to wither and die. Mm. And so he taught that and then mum taught nutrition. And I don't ever remember ever going to anybody else um, in my first 20 years of my life, mm. probably even past that. I don't think I went to a doctor until I got pregnant and I was 29. And I remember going to a obstetrician and gynecologist. I was, I was absolutely mm. felt invaded mm. because I felt like he didn't even tell me what he was going to do. And before I knew it, my legs were spread and he was up there and oh. had that, that thing, that instrument, you know. So to me, I wasn't, I had no idea what was happening. Yeah. It's a speculum. Speculum, is it? That mm. instrument. Mm. Well, yeah, it's pretty. That'd be pretty freaky. It was. That would be very freaky for for someone who had lived in a very natural world where sheltered, sheltered, natural, mm-hmm. you know, bear grills world. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so why would someone go to a chiropractor? Well, I would think that people would go to a chiropractor um, for preventative care to make sure that their spine is working. And if they are in crisis, that's when most people go to a chiropractor is in crisis care. That's when most people go to go anywhere when they're in crisis. They don't think to prevent. They're not doing those things. So um, I believe that um, you should go to a chiropractor from the day you're born. Like all my babies were adjusted the day they were born. I remember Brogan, um, who is my first son, um, and only son, actually. I had three daughters. <laughs> I had three daughters, yeah. Um, but I remember when I, I couldn't settle him. I just couldn't settle him one night. And I was trying to feed him and I was walking him and he just wouldn't settle. And I woke Howard up and I just thought, I can't settle him. And Howard just made sure that everything in his body was working. And it's not manipulation in any um, stretch of the imagination it's adjusting and how I just checked that he was working and as my husband is adjusting this my son he falls asleep oh, bless. he just falls asleep and we have a beautiful night where he sleeps through the night and I, so I, what I'm learning here correct me if I'm wrong the best thing to do is to actually marry a chiropractor. Yes, definitely. I don't know how people survive. I don't, I, I'm so, I don't know how they, people survive without chiropractic because that's all I know. Mm. I know chiropractic and I know nutrition. And I have tried other modalities. I, I have actually tried um, different modalities. I've tried acupuncture. Um, Did it work? <laughs> Did it work? Oh, look, I, I, I took my son to an acupuncturist because he had a, a rash on his tummy. And it, although it seemed to help the rash, it didn't cure the rash. And so I decided to go mainstream and I went to a dermatologist and she looked at him and he was wearing his school uniform and she said, oh, he's got a nickel allergy. Just make sure that that belt doesn't touch, that metal part of his belt doesn't touch his stomach anymore and it'll be fine. So we... How did she know that? He just, she just looked at what he was wearing. It was amazing. It's a nick. That's what she said. Soon as we put tucked the shirt in. So in those days at the school, Brogan was in grades one to three had a shirt that they didn't have to tuck in. It actually laid over their their belt. From four up, they had a shirt that they tucked in. So we just said, well, he's in grade one, but we need a shirt that he can tuck in because of this this allergy. As soon as we started to tuck it in and not put nickel on his skin. Wow. That was it. That was that, cool that she did. Yeah, she was like, and you know, and and that 
that made me think, well, you know, there are times when you need to go to these guys and um, go to specialists if if you can't do it with um, other modalities. Yeah. And and really, it wasn't another modality. She didn't give any creams or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. She just looked and went, oh, well, he's got a nickel rash. <laughs> that's, that's an important point, though, isn't it? When we are in crisis or maybe we've forgotten preventative care is to actually get information, mm. gather as much gather. information and see what speaks your truth mm. as to how to apply that information. So some people, probably maybe not our listeners, but some people will only believe that orthodox medicine is the only way to go, going to a chemist, going to a doctor and going down. They may not even be aware that there's any other way of treating or supporting, not treating, sorry, Dr. Sarah Ferrant, um, acknowledging But that's what they do. Yeah. But that's what they do. They treat. Mm. So they diagnose. Di mean two, agnosium meaning don't know. So two people who don't know (laughs) is a diagnosis and that's the the root meaning of it. Treatment means treating the mind. Mm. So they do diagnose and they do treat mm. because when you look at the Mayo True. Clinic um, has the best rate of getting the correct diagnosis and they know this by autopsy and their rate is 36%. So what hope mm. has wow. a GP got mm. in getting your diagnosis right and your treatment right? Mm. Uh, and and I think people have to realise that... Um, it's amazing we don't all die quicker, sooner, and we actually survive all these... these. But is, is, am I right in hearing that medical misadventure is one of the greatest killers on this planet? Uh, um, in Western world. In Western In the Western world. In America, I think it's number two or three, maybe even one. I can't remember, in medical mistakes. And those medical mistakes may be the wrong prescription of drug given, two prescriptions given that cause a problem, a procedure that's done. Um, so, yes, medical mistakes are, are huge. And in Australia, I think it's three or four. Just not quite sure. Uh, but it's, it is about... I, I actually think that we have to become educated. If, if you have a, a health issue, you just can't go to someone blindly and go, well, I have this issue and I don't know what to do about it. Because then they'll go, oh, well, then you have this diagnosis and this is the treatment you should have. And that, that's not just medicine. That's naturopaths and, and everyone like that. And I know you have to trust people. But I also don't think you should go in blindly. I think you should understand what your your health issue is uh, as a, and, and understand what's happening inside your body and gather information, as you said, and then find somebody who can help you and that, and that, that you you can trust and you um you can follow them mm. and i and i actually wrote about this today in my newsletter i i said where it may start to come with someone that's talking to you like we may be talking about something right now in up for a chat and it may lead them to another place not necessarily to one of us but it may lead them to another place that then enables them to help whatever condition that they've got. Mm. And I, I'm looking at Karen right now. She's having a spack attack, right? What's I'm happening? Are reading, you reading something? Yeah, this is mind-blowing. In 1999, there was a report that came out that said that up to 98,000 people die each year in the U- U.S. because of mistakes in hospitals. Then in 2010, another report came out saying that it's now up to 180,000 patients under Medicare alone that are killed um, in hospitals each year. And now a current study at the issue of the, uh, current issue of the Journal of Patient Safety says that numbers may be much higher in 2014 between 210,000 and 440,000 patients each year who go to the hospital um, for care suffer from some type of preventable harm that contributes to their death. Wow. It's the third leading cause of death in America. Third. Behind heart disease, um, which is the first, and cancer, which is the second. And you know what they've failed to talk about now is autoimmune disease. Mm. And I believe a lot of autoimmune disease is physician-induced, or I shouldn't say physician because that's pointing the finger at a physician, but medic, political medical medicine-induced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And political medicine-induced saying that you must give your child 114 vaccines, you must um, mm. give antibiotics for earaches, colds, flus, um, stomach aches, whatever. You must give your child Panadol. You must give vitamin K. You must, you know, like it's... Mm. It's. I actually think it's far higher, but they're not. 
they're not even talking about autoimmune disease in these studies. No, what they're saying here is that that figure, now they're actually saying that um, when they extrapolate the figures, the deaths averaged are 210,000 patients each year. Um, wow. And this is the baseline. The, the actual number more than doubles because the trigger tool doesn't catch errors in which the treatment should have been provided but wasn't. Wow. Um, because medical records are either missing or they don't hold the evidence of the harm that was created because the diagnostic errors weren't captured. Hmm. That's frightening. But you yeah, know, I think it just points to the fact that we need to become more responsible for our own well, well-being. I think, I think that's absolutely the truth. And it's actually it? unfair of us to put all this demand on these hospitals and these people who are probably overworked, underpaid, long hours, shift workers. I bet some of those mistakes are preventable just through their own self-care um, and responsibility. Well, when you see young interns um, doing 12 hours a day, 10 to 12 days straight, some of them in emergency care. That can't be, that, you know, that can't be healthy for them. No. And, and you, you cannot do that and expect these doctors to not make a mistake. Mm. Like, to me, the, true, the whole system, number one, we rely on them. We give them total responsibility. Yeah. Uh, and number two, we, we believe it, they're gods and that, that they will have the answer for us. And number three is that we over, they're overworked mm. and, and are paid. Like I look at what interns are, are making an hour and I think you go to university for six years to make 35 bucks an hour? Seriously? That's what they get paid? Wow. In the government system, in the hospital system, they're getting paid 35 bucks an hour. It doesn't really augur well for wanting to study it, especially now that the hex fees and everything's going up so much as well. Yeah. It, yeah, and they come out with huge debt. Um, and and that you know they've got to pay their debt off, and but then they've got to decide: do I become a specialist or or do I become a GP? And you know, we, well, that's we, a big decision for them. It is, and um, we were talking about one specialist that we know that all he does is lap band surgery, uh, <laughs> making yeah. an absolute fortune. Mm. <laughs> um, so just so chiropractic definitely is a main port of call for you. Is it for you, Karen? Uh, yeah, for sure. It, you know, like chiropractic never used to be for me. Um, I probably spent more time and money on physiotherapy and acupuncture um, only because I used to think that chiropractic was a bit rough. Mm. But then I found a really amazing chiropractor in Sydney and she was awesome, but she was what's called a mixer. So she would do chiropractic and kinesiology and she also did massage. So she would bring in other modalities as well. Um, the chiropractor that I go to now um, does straight chiropractic, but she also does another uh, a neuroemotional technique called NET, a neuroemotional technique, which kind of gets to the root of stuff that I don't even know is there if I've got weaknesses in my body. So she'll muscle test, and if there's a weakness somewhere, she'll go to what the emotional cause is. So she's addressing everything with me holistically. Mm. So she addresses the structural issue as well as the mental and emotional issue that I, I think I'm fine. But obviously there's something, you know, causing a mm. an issue with, um, <clears throat> you know, either my hip or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so now definitely chiropractic is my number one pit stop. Mm -hmm. But I still, I still go to the kinesiologist um, because I love how kinesiology tests my body to give it answers that I can't communicate. So sometimes because I'm particularly sensitive in my digestion, so if I find that I'm struggling with digestion and I do go through phases like that from time to time and that's when I really know that it's time for me to adjust my diet again. So I'll go to the kinesiologist and I'll just say, what am I trying to say? What am I trying to get out? Like, what's my body trying to communicate? How, like, give me what you think it is and let me try it. And she's amazing. She's really, really brilliant at what she does. Um, so I definitely still do that. And I have lots of confidence in the kinesiology modality um i have a lot of confidence in neurolinguistic programming also only because i'm a master trainer in it but i have to say there are very few people who have the skills in nlp um, and or master skills in nlp that can also relate it back to psychology so i think that there's a lot of people out there who do nlp but their, uh, the depth of what they know around nlp is kind of lost because they don't understand the psychology or the or, or the, you know, the psychology of the human psyche. I think that they miss that bit. So, 
But, and um, <clears throat> can I, if I can just interrupt you on that point, mm. I think there's therapists for everybody. Mm. So mm. someone who's mm. on a new journey in this yeah. would probably love to relate to someone like that yeah. who didn't go for too sure. deep. And I think that's the other thing about therapy is there's therapists and there's therapists. Yeah. Within each modality, there's different therapists, yeah. some amazing ones, some more detailed, some. And I think on that level, my point in saying that is don't ever give up. Yeah. You know, someone may not work for you in chiropractic, but next person you meet's got an amazing chiropractor and, and they treat you completely differently. Absolutely. Um, or someone, if you are, have been told to go neuro-linguistic programming and you've got someone that is sitting there talking to you all about the psychology and all about, and you're just sitting there going, I just don't like my dad. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, sometimes yeah, you go, oh, where did they go here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think there's a place and a therapist for us all. I agree with so, you wholeheartedly. So, my darling, you've done acupuncture, have you? Yes, I've done acupuncture, Chinese herbal medicine, um, a physiotherapy, kinesiology, chiropractic. How um, would you compare the Western medicine compared to the Eastern way of being? So, if you've done acupuncture, acupressure, Chinese medicine, how does that compare to, say, a naturopath or Look another at, therapist? Do you know, from my experience, that's a bloody good question, from my experience, they are polar opposites. What an acupuncturist or a Chinese medicine person will um, say is wrong or needs to be addressed or needs to be looked at is the polar opposite to what a naturopath or a chiropractor will suggest. Um, and I, you know, I actually have to say that's a bit of a minefield. When I when I reflect back on that, when I've been for the for the Chinese medicine, they look at um, and also Ayurvedic, mm. which again is a whole other methodology or modality. Um, it's a bit of a minefield because you don't know where to go. Like one will say. You know, you need to eat for hot and cold in your body, and certain parts of your body and certain parts of your, certain parts of your body are hot. Certain parts of your body are cold. They'll give this concoction of herbs and roots and leaves and things that you know these potions and things, um, and supplements that are designed to try and get the body back into balance. But then you go to a chiropractor and it's all about the nervous system. And you go to an osteopath and it's all about the blood system. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you're it's, right. It is, a bit of, it is a bit of a minefield when you're trying mm. to figure out. But you know what it is, is they have different philosophies. Mm. But it's all, um, as Don Tolman says, it's all about the tubes. Mm. It's all about the tubes, which is the blood, the nervous system, bones, the structure. Um, everything's about tubes. Um, you know, cells, they line up into tubes. Everything is about tubes, the gut. <laughs> you know, when you yeah. think about it, yeah. it's just about these tubes and making tubes sure and these pipes. tubes are working. And which philosophy you have, because when you think about it, osteopathy and chiropractic have um, different philosophies, but the blood and the nervous system all work together. They, they almost run. When, you know, when I cut up cadavers, you see them running together. They're there together, the blood and the nervous system. Mm -hmm. So that's why osteo and chiropractic work so well together. And, and then they have different modalities on, on what they do or different techniques. Mm -hmm. uh, Irene, I remember a technique. Is this okay, Kim? I haven't mm -hmm. asked, we haven't asked you. I just was thinking about a technique that I did in chiropractic that was, to me, one of the most um, amazing techniques I'd ever um, experienced. So my dad um, is a Gonstead Tom, he's mainly done Gonstead, I think a bit of diversified, SOT, and he does a bit of NET. So, and, and people will be going, what is she saying? But these, you know, these are four things that he's always done. So I was at a chiropractic conference and there was a new technique that I'd never seen before and it was kept called networking. I don't know if it's still called networking, but it was called networking. I remember, the, I remember that was at the DG conference two years ago, three years ago? Yeah, quite a few years ago, actually. Mm. It was the DG conference that it was at. And there were six tables out, so six chiropractic tables out, and everybody was doing networking on these tables. And I was watching these bodies move in these amazing places, you know. Contorted. Contorted. Jerks. Yeah. yeah. Contorted jerks, yet nobody was touching them. No, no. They were doing it to themselves. So the chiropractor would line them up and they would do some touching. And then you would watch these bodies move. And I said, oh, I've been under chiropractic care all my life. Sure, my body's not going to do that. <laughs> and did it? 
famous last words. So Dean Morby, I'll never forget the chiropractor. He was out, out of Bendigo. He said to me, come on, Cindy, I'll, 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 let's have a go then. I went, okay. So he laid me face down and he, I swear he just touched my neck just a little bit. And I had this, like it was like a scratch, a feel that I had to move and I, I stretched my neck as like I wanted to do it. And then I, I noticed my my uh, thoracic, I started to stretch my thoracic and then he touched somewhere else and very lightly like a feather touching your skin, that's all he did and I wanted to stretch my legs and I just, I, I don't know, I was doing these really weird contortions but I thought they were little, I thought they were mild little contortions and I felt like I was just doing a bit of a stretch but nobody could see what I was doing and at the end Dean said you can sit up now Cindy and I looked around and there was a circle of people around me. Just everyone had stopped adjusting and there was people watching me. And apparently I had moved my body in such amazing positions and ways that I had stopped everybody and and everyone was watching. And then they realised that I was quite emotional. I got off the table and I cried for nearly 15 minutes after. Dean sat beside me and everybody spread and left, you know, and I cried for 15 minutes. And I I kept saying to Dean, I I don't know what's wrong. I don't know why I'm crying. I've got no idea. I've got no idea why I'm crying. And what what networking is, and and I'm probably not going to do it justice because I don't know enough about it, but what it is is it's a release of energy. And it's allowing your body to adjust itself and release um, energy that's been stored in places. And that releasing of energy obviously was that, you know, I just cried and I, and I had no idea. He said, it doesn't matter what it is, Cindy, just let it go. And then I was exhausted for a couple of hours after it. And then I got unbelievable energy. So that to me was an adjustment that, really was powerful and whenever I get a chance to have a network um, with a chiropractor I will I will I will do that none of my family do networking so I, I can't go to family members but when I do find somebody who does networking I love it okay so this is what it says here network spinal anal- spinal analysis is an evidence-based approach to wellness and body awareness gentle precise touch to the spine cues the brain to create new wellness promoting strategies Two unique healing waves develop this work. Um, They're associated with spontaneous release of spinal and life tensions. So you're right. Mm. Um, And the use of existing tension as fuel for spinal reorganization. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it was was very interesting. And and, and chiropractic for me is lots of different modalities. You don't have to just go to one that does SOT or Mm. cranial work or, or whatever. Well, a lot of people probably wouldn't know. No. That they just would they, fall in. They and don't. And that's why I say keep trying. And they go to one. Yeah. And they go, oh, he's a quack. Yeah. And I go, well, do you go to one doctor and call him a quack? Yeah. No, you keep trying different doctors. Mm-hmm. Just like you try different chiropractors or different acupuncturists or different nutritionists or different. And and sometimes it is a journey. So, Kim, what about you? What what have you done? Well, Who I've have tried all of them. To? I'm what I would call a table task, <laughs> um, actually. And was there ever any doubt? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Finally, she admits it. I probably have. I have a deep respect for different modalities. Just knowing the study that someone has committed mm. to doing that particular therapy or, or treatment plan. And I, what I love about all of them is, look, I don't use all of them all of the time. Um, but for me, massage therapy was a really big one. Obviously, being a, a sports therapist and, and being a, an athlete, massage was massive for me. My first experience with a chiropractor was really awful, and I just decided that all chiropractors were quacks at that point because I was really hurt, and, and I, you know, that was a bit of a worry. And I don't think I've heard of anyone being hurt the way I was back then. Now, I haven't heard of anything like that for over 20 years, so I dare say that people have improved or that that person no longer works it was probably more to the point and you know it would have turned me off had I not met you Mm. so I've been doing chiropractic now well since I've known you 11 years 
So, and I love it. In fact, my kids, you know, Jacob had a really high temperature. He was vomiting. I was overseas. And the lady that was looking after him was a nurse and said, I want to, I'll take you to the doctor. She was really worried about him. And he said, no, I need Howie. <laughs> and oh, and I thought it was really cool that he chose mm-hmm. a chiropractor over going to a doctor. And beautiful Howie came and saw him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where she was worrying about him vomiting and having diarrhoea, Howard had the approach of, that's good, it's getting it out, let's just keep his fluids up. So, you know, I think sometimes we can get afraid of the illness or the problem instead of ex- allowing it to express itself. Um, essential oils have been massive for me, obviously. For 28 years I've been using aromatherapy and I will use things like peppermint to cool the temperature and I'll use ginger to help with tummy and fennel and grapefruit to digestive complaints. And I love going to my oils for skin conditions and medical conditions. Um, I've done acupuncture quite a lot, especially when I was a top athlete. Um, Acupuncture, which is a therapy based... uh, I mean, Eastern philosophy works a lot on the meridians of the body, which they believe has what is called chi or ki. It's energy flowing throughout those meridians. And when there's a blockage is often where there's a problem. So then the practitioner will insert a needle into that meridian point that is believed to have the blockage, which then releases um, when you take the needle out and or the pressure of the thumb off. It releases the pressure and allows the energy or the chi to run again. So I think that's quite a beautiful therapy. I remember having sinus problems once and an acupuncturist putting needles mm. under my nose mm. and across my mm. sinus points and it was such agony. And he just said, it's okay, it's okay, as he rubbed my head. And I'm going, I couldn't even talk to ask him to remove them because it was so painful. But the release afterwards was phenomenal. And, it, and, and when they come in and tweak the needles, that's just like... Um, and then I've done Thai massage, shiatsu. I absolutely love shiatsu, yeah. which again is working with meridians and pressure points, but you're fully clothed and you're under like a sheet. And they and if you learn to let go of yourself in any of these therapies, I think they're magical. Mm-hmm. If you can surrender the gift of the body to just become and imagine that you're just a big lump of clay and they mould you, you get even more from it with any treatment, to be honest. But I think for many of us, like reflexology, for instance, which I love as well. Is, you're talking about the foot reflexology? Yes. Oh, no, I'm, I know. I love foot reflexology. That is stunning. I found that outrageously painful. It is. Mm, it can be if you've got a lot of problems. If you've got a lot of, and if oh. you've got a lot of problems, particularly in the digestive yeah. system, really? you will find many well, yeah. points on the feet are incredibly painful. I find it completely unbearable. I've gone a couple of times because I've had people say, you must do it, you must do it, you must do it. And I've heard that it releases the blockages and stuff, but it is that painful, I can't bear it. And in that situation, Karen, it might not be the right therapy for you. You know, there might be another one that's better for you. That could be your body's ways of saying, actually, reflexology isn't for me. I don't think you should fight that. Um, you might prefer a foot massage, mm. which would, um, <laughs> which the therapist may not know much about the reflex points, but you're going to be touching 26,000 nerve endings every time you have your foot massaged. And, or even wearing those sandals. Some people believe those things with all the bubbles those on them. Those, yeah, mm. Some people believe that's a great way to treat yourself that's from true. a reflexology yeah. point of view. But so you girls don't get the same, like, mind-numbing pain? At times, yeah. Sometimes not my whole problem. foot, but they'll hit some points and I'll want to go through the roof. Go through the roof. Absolutely go through the roof. And you can actually feel it. You can actually feel it's like a knot. or I reckon it feels like a stone they're hitting. I reckon they've got a stone and they're just pushing it into your foot. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. But only on certain points, not my whole foot. Yeah, right. So I put up with that. <laughs> yeah, right. I put up with that stone for that until they get rid of the stone. Is that is that how yes, you get yes. it? Yeah. And I think... Do you I, do reflexology? I do. I just yeah. I was I practiced it. <laughs> <laughs> you have got you've got your shoe on. I don't. Mine's gone. We both put our feet up to her. Um, Taylor, how about now? She, she's really interested in it, and we've got a little chart. We've got a reflexology ah. chart that we'll always pull out at home when she's got a problem, or if any of them. Because you can work the spine on the foot. It's mm. it's very powerful. Mm. Or if she's got period pains. The gut is mm. phenomenal, and when you look at the foot, the feet in front of you, and you know that the liver's on the right foot, and I was taught to always finish working the liver because the liver is the major detoxifier of the body, <laughs> so you must finish triggering the, the liver. 
And then if you apply oils to that and you actually use, like, she got so specific. She was a, a reflex, an aromatherapist reflexologist that I trained under. That would and be And she would mm. use the oils mm. on those points. So sometimes you could have four different oils actually triggered on the feet at different times, oh, which I thought was amazing. And it's a type of diagnosis as well, reflexology. Mm. So they'll actually, by when they feel that stone, well, it feels like a stone to me, they'll actually say, oh, transverse colon or mm, liver or they'll actually have, say have that. you had a bowel motion lately yeah is your period due at the moment yeah um, they're quite have amazing been, have you been getting headaches lately and and if they're an iridologist as well then they look at you with this intense look on their face where do you find these people well i used oh. to do iridology i did it for oh. many years <laughs> She's leaning forward. She's leaning forward. Like, like, you've got beautiful eyes. <laughs> but I did iridology for five or six years. And then there's tongue um, mm, analysis. Analysis. There's tongue it's analysis. It's, it's, it's actually brilliant. it's brilliant because the tongue is connected to the gullet, which is connected to the stomach, which is connected to the gut. The tongue and it actually, actually tells you a lot. The tongue and your stools are two places that can give you instant... <laughs> Um, information based on where your body and health is at. So Ayurvedic medicine is another one that I really love. Ayurvedic is beautiful. Ayurvedic is beautiful. Mm, Broken down, if I remember rightly. Kapha. Kapha, Vata, Pitta and the doshas. Yeah, they're the doshas, but I mean the the word Ayurvedic means, Ayur, I think, means science and Vedic means life or wisdom, the science of wisdom or the science of life. Mm. Um, and when they talk on those three doshas, the vata, pitta, and kapha, when you actually look at those and how you can be a combination usually of two, it even goes right into the nutritional aspects of the sorts of foods. So if you, and I don't know enough, I don't remember enough about it, but I know if you are a certain type, um, you will be more prone to liking spicy foods. Um, and it's also based on the, the four elements, earth, air, fire, water. So I think... I just love it because when I sit there with a therapist that has this knowledge, I'm learning something about myself. Now, I may not agree with everything. I may not do everything. But I think the exploration and and realization that there is more to any number one therapy. So they're some of my favorites. I I studied in homeobotanical therapy, which is a cross between homeopathy and herbal therapy. And I got my diploma in that when I was in New Zealand because I was fascinated with what sparked that was was flower essence therapy. So bark flowers. See, yeah, there's another one. Another one. Yeah, yeah. bark flowers and flower remedies. Mm. I mean, most people, if you, you know, if you might have heard of. Um, rescue remedy that's a bark flower remedy mm. you know and it's a combination of flower essences at, by Dr. Um, bark. just on that at um, when we run awaken the change within in november this year in 2014 um, i've actually got a whole bunch of the bark flower remedies oh. yeah that are especially for emotional eaters so it's the emotional eaters rescue kit and there's three beautiful Bark flower remedies in there. Uh, oh. I think I've I think I've I've, I've 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 had them land the other day. Actually, I had 50, I've got fifteen kits. Wow! Yeah, yeah. It, I'm trying it out for it, myself this is as the well. Support. You know, it's a support Beautiful. that we often need. You know, and and sometimes it can be bark flowers or mm. it, it could be homeopathics or because I I think homeopathy oh. is amazing. Oh. Well, and so let's talk about homeopathy. So homeopathy, from my understanding, is based on the vibrational energy of that source, um, and then you take it in different um, multiples of, of vibrational energy. So you can get a 30C or a, I think you can get, can you get higher than that? Can you get higher than 30 C's? I can't remember. Forgive me, any of you homeopaths out there. All I know (laughs) is it works. Um, And for me, using homeopathy, so I was somebody who chose to vaccinate my children when they were young. They didn't get them at the times they were meant to get them, and they got them much later, and they didn't get all of them. Because the more I started learning about them, the more I realized I didn't want them to have them. But I did. And then for years, especially after meeting Cindy, I felt so guilty and felt like I'd ruined my children's lives. That was just my own personal story and my own thoughts. Then I realized I did the best I could with the knowledge and skills I had, gave up on myself, gave up beating on myself, and realized that I'm very blessed that my children are robust and healthy, and I have to trust that that was the path that we chose. And again, I'm not knocking it, because for some people it is their absolute truth. 
But where I stopped feeling guilty was when I met a holistic medical integrative doctor, Dr. Jung Price, mm. who I talked about my fears around that, and she understood. And so she gave me homeopathics to treat my children. So I did that over a two-year period. Now, it wasn't so much about the vaccination, because the vaccination actually isn't the issue. It was all the additives and things that mm. I was worried about. And though that two-year of homeopathic treatment for my children, I now feel... I've done, again, another thing to help their health and well-being. But again, you know, you do the best you can with the skills and knowledge you've got. So meeting Jung was another, I'd never been to a practitioner like her, and I loved her kinesiology and her diagnostics and the way she used naturopathy as well as um, uh, she used a lot of um, herbs and, and we used remedies along those lines as well. So the one that I struggled with the most, probably, not because it didn't work, but, but cooking up my Chinese herbs. Oh, isn't that just hell? Oh, it's I really horrendous. struggled with cooking up all these herbs and the smell of them and then drinking it. It was like telling me to drink a bone broth. Um, it's, it's worse. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'd do the herbs. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, but that was another brilliant therapy in the way that Chinese, Chinese herbalism. herbalism. I love it. it was mm. just, again, I don't know a lot about it, but I surrendered to it and went with the flow and mm. loved it and it healed the, mm. the skin condition that I, that I had. Um, at the time, I went to a cranial osteopath with my children when Taylor had really serious um, digestive problems as a baby. She couldn't go number twos very easily and they kept telling me I must be giving her formula she was fully breastfed I was eating a really really good diet although at the time I was eating wheat was that causing the problem I don't know but I was a very clean eater it wasn't like I was doing anything I wouldn't be probably eating today um, and it was seen a cranial an osteopath and his name in New Zealand was Dr Lala hilarious um, <laughs> but he he actually told me he he treated Taylor on this particular day and he said, oh, she'll probably have a bowel motion within the next two hours. And I thought, yeah, 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 they all say that. And I was driving home thinking, I've tried one more, darling. And she's going, mummy, mummy, I need to go to the toilet. And she had to go oh, within 10 minutes. So, you know, when things like that happen, I don't need a scientific explanation. I'm just grateful that they work. So, And the problem is, is they call that anecdotal. You know, right. They, they call it anecdotal. And, and I'm, I'm so sick of hearing that. I go... I, I, I like. You mean it was in my head that I no, made? No, no, no. Anecdotal just means what happened to one person. Oh, I can't. Yeah, so it can't be considered can't be as... considered a clinical trial or a um, scientifically researched. Ask these people thing. that have studied in it for yeah. their research. And, oh, I know yeah. that. But for if you were to tell someone, they'll go, "Oh, that's anecdotal." Oh, I see. Yeah, and then, and that's what they do. They go, "That's anecdotal." Well, there's been no clinical trials, even though the doctor's been doing it for twelve years and had unbelievable results. You know, it's like yeah, absolutely. They just don't want to go down that. They path. just don't want to go. You know, and that's so sad that. Mm. Somebody could be helping so much as as what you said, mm. and then and then oh, they make she, these. Her digestive system was fine after that. Yeah. Two years, Isn't that she amazing? was hospitalised. She was given lactulose. She was given well, lamisil or whatever I think it's called. Something around another. Oh, um, I, I, I was lost, mm. and then went to Doctor Lala, and he Doctor Lala, Doctor Lala. <laughs> I, I tell you, any Kiwis, any Aucklanders listening to this will know exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> we all went to him. He just became our guru, and mm. he was disbarred. He was a general practitioner mm -hmm. as well. Oh, um, you're joking. Yeah, and he was disbarred from the general medicine, and we didn't care. We wanted to go to him. I believed yeah. in him. There's a guy up here that was going to be disbarred, wasn't mm -hmm. he? Because um, yeah. he was treating cancer patients with... Um, well, not giving enough drugs, there was one. There was one yeah, that yeah, wasn't yeah. prescribing wasn't enough. Prescribing enough yeah, it wasn't prescribing enough drugs. Yeah, and yeah, this yeah. is political, political medicine, you know. Like, I think most medical doctors are there um, to help. It's political medicine that is, is yeah. creating a, a big issue. You know, I'd love to go back, you know, way, way, way back. And where did we first start to what, – what were the healing modalities of – um, thousands and thousands of years ago. And if we go way back in time to the hunter-gatherer, let's say, they knew of herbs mm. and foods. That's what they used. They used herbs and, and foods plants and, and plants mm. in order to... Cultuses and things, didn't yeah, they? And yeah, to heal. And I remember reading the book um, Mutant Messages Down Under, which was the culture of the Australian Aboriginal. And um, the Australian Aboriginal 
um, had a very different healing um, art form. And they believed in that the body knew where it should be and how, how it knew to be healthy. And they used a lot of plants and a lot of medicinal um, uh, art forms, I guess more plants than anything. But I remember when I was reading it, they they talked about, like, um, and you're going to gross out at this, Karen, okay, so you might as well just to... get grossed right now. No, it's actually not. But what they would do is that they would carry, this is what is said in the book, they would carry a possum um, a stomach. So it would be a thing that they would, would carry with them. And then the women, the Aboriginal women, could control their menstrual cycle. And they would empty... Because they were carrying a possum? No, 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 no. They just could control it. And they would empty their menstrual cycle each day into the possum stomach. And then herbs would be added to it. And there would be a black... Um, tar that would be created. Even Kim, you're grossing out here. I'm fascinated with this one. Yeah. So there would be a... Well, you think about yeah. why do we menstruate? We menstruate because we haven't got pregnant. We, that, 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 that nutrition is there in order to have a baby grow. <laughs> Are you going to say they ate it? No, no, they didn't eat it. No, they didn't eat so it. So carry on with the black tar. Okay, so they've got this black tar that is, is probably fermenting and they add things to it. And... There was a story about uh, um, one of the Aboriginals fell down a cliff and broke his leg where the bone was poking out. And the two medical, the, they call them medicine, um, or like witch doctors, but they were called um, medicine men and women. So two medicine men and women got in either end of um, the Aboriginal, of the man that had broken his leg. And the medicine woman put the black tar on the leg and in 24 hours that leg was healed and he was walking and this was witnessed by a white man mm. or a white woman I should say so we you know we re we realize that we don't realize where maybe some of our traditions are coming from but many of them are coming from um culture and tradition mm. they are coming from there and well, sorry when, to interrupt you, but aromatherapy has been around for 4,000 years. Exactly. The so extraction Chinese of oils. medicine has been around for even longer. Okay. So, so, sorry, go back to the medicine man. Because can you just tell that story about that beautiful man you met on the plane mm. Um, mm. and what happened to him with the medicine man? Yeah, he. Um, I met this Aboriginal on the plane and um, he was telling me that uh, he was in a car accident and he had glass everywhere in, a, in his eye and in, in his face and, and everywhere. And his, um, he, he was rushed to hospital and his mother was there and his mother said, I don't want you to touch him until the medicine man has come. And the doctor was asked to leave and the medicine man put his hands. And this is what um, the exact thing he told me, I read in the book, Mutant Messages Down Under, and the hands, the laying of hands, and they, they don't lay them directly on the skin, they lay them above the skin and they move across the body because they're telling the body that you know how you should be, let's get back to the way you should be. That's what it's all about. So this medicine man is, is healing the body and, and he had actually broken his back, I think, and the doctor said he probably won't walk again. So the medicine man is doing the laying of hands or whatever he does and then he gets to the face and he draws the hands in and he grasps his hands. And at that stage, the doctor comes back in and says, you know, we've got to get him into surgery. He's not well. Now, um, Nathane was actually um, unconscious. And when the doctor walked back in again, he was conscious. And the medicine man just said to the doctor, put your hands out and he opened the medicine man took his hands and opened them and all the glass that was in the body of Nathane was emptied out and put into the hands of the surgeon and Nathane walked out of that um place wow. as though nothing had happened so here was a man who told me what had happened to him mm. a, a medical doctor had witnessed it I had read about it he told me the same thing without me ever telling him the story that I had read so I think that we, have, we put limitations on what our body is capable of. Like Anina Mojani, how did she walk out of hospital after being told that she had 24 hours to live? How does she walk out of hospital five weeks later free of cancer? Mm. So I, I believe w that we have a reality and a belief about 
what our body is capable of, but I don't think we really understand what our body is capable of. You know, I think the, the last couple of weeks, um, while I've been going through my down my rabbit hole of this whole new awareness and consciousness stuff, I've been revisiting a lot of what happened when I was in Bali. Mm-hmm. And the same sort of thing, like I had that six-hour window where they said that I had, at 7 a.m. in the morning, they said I had six hours to live, and mm-hmm. I didn't fly home until 10.30 that night. So at 7 a.m., yeah, yeah. they told me that I had six hours. So technically by one, should have been gone. I should have been gone. And I flew home at 10.30, and I got home. I, got, I, got, I flew at 10.30, and it was still a six-hour flight. So I still managed to survive that, and then the ambulance ride, and then, you know, getting into the hospital. So I think that the body does have a whole, um, a whole systematic way of managing itself that if we don't interfere with it but we support it then it, it knows what to do it knows what to do it knows what to do it's like what you always say you know what blinks our eyes beats our heart blooms a rose and bakes a baby yeah we don't know how that happens we we you know it it just does it and you look at people like even alexander who had um a a virus that they said that his cortex was absolutely gone and he would never ever be able to um think or he'll be a vegetable when he wakes up and he was perfect when he woke up and and did you hear michael schumacher they just put on has well has woken hasn't he no he hasn't woke they've brought him out of the coma and they had a medical practitioner on today who said look please don't get excited about this the man has been in a coma for six months yeah just to start functioning again it's massive. Like he said, look, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but from a from a publicity point of view, it sounds amazing. And look, it is. He it said did, it is positive. It yeah. He said, but that man has got a massive journey. You, he goes, often we're put into an induced coma for between three, you know, it can be three days, could be maybe a week, but this man's been in an induced coma for six months. And he said, you cannot underestimate his functionality and what his body is or isn't capable mm-hmm. of doing. Wow. But you know that that's when the greatest miracles occur. And especially true. a man yeah. like him. True. You know, he has, has done I think what things. he was trying to say is, please don't expect Michael Schumacher to be Michael Schumacher in the way we know him. Allow mm-hmm. him the time. And, yeah, and he, did even, he did even admit there could be a... It could be quite miraculous, mm. but he was trying to be pragmatic with it too, knowing from it. And I, that's what I'd love to say about you both, that you both have such an amazing scientific mind. Like you're very analytical and very logical, sequential, and you're very thoughtful about all of the, the research you both do in different areas and in your areas of expertise. But what I really admire and love about you both is that you are also willing to explore the unexplainable mm. and you're also willing to participate in what would be some people might see as quackery or witchery or weirdness or whatever. And oh, I totes. I think you <laughs> but I think what's oh, beautiful totes. about it, it is that you both, you give hope mm. for people that you can be very analytical and logical and someone that's very powerful and, and all those things, but you can also soften and surrender and accept and embrace this innate intelligence that some of these more alternate or alternative therapies actually support the body to do its greatest work and i think sometimes we don't even have to explain it no it just works so kim if you were going to sum up uh, what you think um, if someone's in a crisis if someone's in a crisis and and you were going to sum up what we've kind of talked about in this last hour what would you advise them to do ring howie <laughs> <laughs> sorry oh, howie get ready um, <laughs> what would you know what, what, what would you do well, ring yeah. howie <laughs> sorry i was trying to think deep and that's all that came up yeah. um, <laughs> because when i'm in a crisis situation there is ring no howie. thoughtfulness just um, ring howie just ring howie do you know what i would say before you get to crisis mode, what is your plan? Mm-hmm. I think what is such a good point. What is the things that you would do if there was a crisis, if my son had just been hit by a car? Who would the first person you ring? Now, in that situation, ambulance mm-hmm. probably without yep. a doubt. Straight yeah. away. But let's say Straight he's to now the emergency. in hospital um, and now we're looking at his rehabilitation. Who would I be calling on now? And I think between you and your partner or your family or you yourself, if it's just you, I would actually write down a health plan 
for crisis situations. In fact, it's making me want to do it again. I, Danny and I did this originally when we first met. Um, or Sorry, more so when we had our baby. No, we first talked about it when he was injured as a cricketer because Danny passes out. He has a condition called vasovagal, so he gives himself a general anaesthetic <laughs> because he can't quite cope with the pain or the blood. So I didn't, I didn't know that. And I thought he was having convulsions and had epilepsy and all sorts of things, but that was his body's way of shutting down. So it was in that moment I needed to know what the heck I was dealing with. <laughs> and and it made us create a plan around... We also started talking about what we'd do if either of us died. Would we want to be buried? Would we want to be cremated? Would we want our ashes spread? And I said to him, do not put mine at sea. I couldn't bear the thought of floating out there on my own. Whereas he would love nothing more than to have some of his ashes spent at sea. Don't put mine there. Um... <laughs> And, don't, and make sure you burn me because I don't want worms eating me. So we just had this whole conversation around it. And oh, I we think both, it's, a, it's a really good idea. And we both had a conversation around organ doning, donating and, and what we would do if one of us became ill. All of that. Life insurance we started talking about and what we would do. Because Danny travels to very dangerous places, you know. So how were we going to address it? Now, we hadn't thought about all of this except because of the work that he did. So for me, first and foremost, maybe would be to get a plan of attack. When it comes to me now, I mean, you, Cindy, are probably, you and Howie, uh, I feel very blessed that you're in my life because I trust you both with all my heart and I feel like you're not only my therapist, but you are my best friends and I know you'd have my best interests at heart and I trust you. So if you haven't got a Cindy or a Howie in your life, then find one. may not be your best friend, but find a therapist or a doctor or an integrative medical specialist as someone that you believe is the right one for you and do it while you're well. Do it when you've got the right mind so that you and your family knows what to do best. So, And prevent is what you're saying. I totally is, is Rather than waiting for the crisis, you know, listen to the whispers of the body. And do the work when you're well, like you said. Yeah, do yeah. the work when do the you're work. well so that it prevents the illness rather than being mm. in crisis in the first place. Yeah. No, I, I think make a plan, number one. Um, number two, have key people that mm. you know can help you, whether in a crisis or being a chiropractor, and, um, you know, whatever it is and whatever you trust, then you, you go there. If you are in a crisis, though, I actually believe that we should do functional medical doctors. If you're in a real crisis, tr start with a, a functional medical doctor. Maybe even start um, with a chiropractor because they may be able to lead you to a functional medical doctor because often they'll have leads and they'll work hand in hand together because a, a lot of them do. It, um, does it does come back to your values and philosophies though, doesn't it? Because, yeah. you know, if someone said to you, Cindy, or, or maybe you're in an audience and someone heard it and, they, and someone's advice was, you know, go and see a good nutritionist. Yeah. But the way you talk nutrition and the way someone else talks nutrition is very different. And, and that would be the greatest thing I've learned is that not all... All are one, and one are all different. No, you're right. And, and, and the same doesn't fit all. It doesn't. And, and the same in the functional, the same in the functional um, medical realm. Some seem to be more allopathic, and others seems to be more alternate. You know, mm. we talked about that when we did our mm. um, interview with Sarah Farrant. So, if anybody wants to really understand that, they need to go back to that interview that we did with Sarah, Dr. Sarah Farrant. Um, look. I, I actually think people need to become informed, they need to become educated, they need to trust people, and they and you're right, Kim, they need to have a plan before this happens in and order to know. Don't abdicate responsibility mm. to a doctor. And I think we're all too eager, or not, not all too eager, but we're all too quick to do that, especially when we look at those statistics that we first spoke about. Mm. Like, you, you just... It, you, it, you're nuts to do that because you're putting your life at risk. I mean, granted, they probably know more in some aspects, but there's also that there's also the chance that they don't. You know, I remember when Matt's dad had a stroke. I stood absolutely gobsmacked at the hospital, thinking people have been having strokes for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and we've been investing so much money into brain surgery and understanding the way that the brain works. And his father had had a stroke, and they had him in a coma. And the doctors were saying, we don't know what to do with him. We don't know what to do. So they cut a hole in the side of his head to release some of the pressure. You know, eventually he passed away. But the doctors were at a loss with no idea, no clue as to what to do. And I was infuriated. And that was the wow. first time that I saw that our medical system, and I mean no disrespect at all because I'm just, you know, relating to this one particular incident, 
But I saw there and then I thought to myself, you know what? We can know everything, but we still don't know damn. We don't know damn thing. Mm. So when it and comes there is to, incompetence. And when it comes to life and death, there's, there's factors at play mm. that nobody can control mm. and that nobody can predict. So, yeah. you know, I think that's a really important point to end the podcast on is yeah. just don't abdicate responsibility. Mm. Don't be frightened of it, but start working while you're feeling well. Like you say, get all your strategies in place, work on it while you're well, so that then when something does happen or if something should happen to you or somebody that you love, you've got your strategy nailed, you know exactly where you're going, and there's no need to think because when emotion is high, intelligence is low. Mm. And it's most likely that when we're in crisis, we can't think clearly, so we take the first available option, mm. and that's where that you know abdication of responsibility starts to find its way. So... Hopefully this, in, this podcast has been informative. I think that um, another way to start to arm yourself a little bit with education is to make sure that you attend the Awaken the Change Within what a retreat. What a coincidence. What a coincidence that we would actually raise that at this point in time. <laughs> just came to me, just, just then. <laughs> But I think I think it's actually in all in all fairness and seriousness, I think that there's real value in being able to surround yourself with people who are of a like mind, or people who will be thought provoking for you. And if you listen to the podcasts and you enjoy the podcasts and you like the rabbit holes we go down, each of us in our own individual ways, then coming along to awaken the change within retreat in November may be the very next step for you to start to explore outside of the box that you currently live in because we only know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. So coming along to an event like Awaken the Change Within, it's an intensive three-day program. It's going to be right here on the Sunshine Coast. There are VIP tickets. There's still a few of them available, and we've also got standard seating available. But it's an event where the three of us come together to share each of our individual expertise, and then we also spend time collectively moving the hearts and the minds of our audience in an entirely new direction. And ultimately, it's your wake-up call. And that's why we call it the wake and the change within, because we three believe that it's time and perhaps it's your time. So go to the website to check it out. It's all the W's dot awaken the change within dot com and book your seat now because the seating is limited. We only have a small venue, so we can't cater for hundreds of people, but we can cater for you. So go to the website, all the W's dot awaken the change within dot com and um, book your seat. Otherwise, go to our Facebook page and give us your feedback on today's um, podcast at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and you know the drill. You can also post at allthews.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. And when you go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating. We really, really want to hit number one here in Australia. So help us get there and tell everybody that you know about Up For A Chat. Get them to like us on Facebook. Get them to follow us on iTunes. Really get the word out there because the more people we can change, the bigger difference we can make. And you're part of the ride. So join us here next week on Up For A Chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We're going to see you there. Hi, Brett Hill from The Wellness Guys and That Paleo Show here. We had some incredible feedback last year that being at The Wellness Summit with a group of like-minded people made it just that much better. So this year, we've created a special group rate for 10 or more people to attend The Wellness Summit. For spreading The Wellness Message, you can come to The Summit for just 197 bucks. That's a saving of $100. And all you need to do is get you and nine other friends along to Crown Melbourne on Saturday, August 16 and 17 for this once-in-a-lifetime event. To book your group tickets and have the best time ever with your friends, go to www www.thewellnesssummit.com This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.